So hello and welcome to the Mobility Podcast. Uh, my name is Greg Rogers with Securing America's Future Energy. Um, today I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Greg Rodriguez uh, from Best Best from Krieger Law. Um, and also Pete Gold from Shared Mobility Strategies. And before we launch in, um, I should say that uh, views are our own. Today we have a great episode ahead um, to discuss what's going to happen with autonomous vehicle regulations, um, especially following the uh, AV start not passing uh, last year, um, nor self-drive in the house, um, and also what USDOT can do can be doing um, around autonomous vehicle regulations. So uh, we're excited for this episode, and uh, we're going to go ahead and jump right in. Yeah, and so on the note of sort of modernizing regulations to accommodate AVs, let's uh, talk about AV start. So in the last Congress. Um, a bill to regulate um, AV testing and deployment, um, AV start in the Senate and self-drive in the House, um, both sort of languished at the end of the year. What we're left with is no specific federal regulations around AVs or, or mandatory processes for AV systems. And to, to be fair, their, their last main hope was to tie it to the omnibus, <laughs> and that's to the government shut down. So yeah. even if they were able to take to the <laughs> And just to be extra fair, there's mm-hmm. nothing stopping from USDOT from still moving forward to yeah. update FMBSS. Yeah. They didn't need they didn't need that bill. Yeah, and, and they already have um, some of that um, that's already happening right now. USDOT is working with VTTI on looking at um, FMBSS Virginia, updates. Just regular Virginia Tech. Just regular Virginia Tech. Virginia. Virginia Tech. Just Virginia Tech. <laughs> yeah. JVTTI. Um, yeah, and the there's a lot that USDOT can do um, on, on their end. Um, I, th- I think there was certainly a disappointment to see that bill not pass, not to create a comprehensive framework, but I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in Congress this year and if there's any chance of getting AB legislation through. Yeah, and I think there was a lot of good things and a lot of bad things in a bill, which I think everybody will agree with. I mean, just hypothesizing, mm-hmm. I mean, I could see a bill being... There's, there's still going to be pressure for people like Senator Peters or Representative Dingle to do something. Yeah. And so you could, I could now see, just again, just thinking out loud, pulling from some sort of imaginary things in the sky, <laughs> is um, not any drones. Something coming through the House um, mm-hmm. and through, you know, probably Representative Dingle leading the charge with Peters maybe introducing a mere companion type bill in the Senate where we don't, we're not working from two separate drafts. Mm-hmm. How much the private industry wants to get behind that, we'll see because I think they feel like they, uh, you know, were burned for lack of better words mm-hmm. uh, in, in the negotiations that kind of ended in 2018. But I, I still think we'll see a bill, how much momentum there is behind a bill. Um, I think we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and if it gets hidden behind the discussion around the wall. Um, yeah, and and yeah. I mean, we're losing valuable time right now. We're talking about infrastructure, yeah. and a lot of people say if we want an infrastructure bill this year, we need you know, so a by draft June. by, by May. Like June, if it's not done by June, it's... Right, yeah. and we're already, you know, this by the time, even if the shutdown were to end today, by the time things get going again, it's going to be until February, and then by the time the hard feelings wear off, that's probably, you know, what is, when's the election? November 2020? Yeah, the well, yeah, <laughs> the, the well is being, I wouldn't, not fully poisoned if it wasn't already, but it's... <laughs> the water doesn't taste good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, I wouldn't drink the well. Um, 
Yeah. No, it's I, I, what's what is interesting. So I, we, we you know we kind of we've been talking about this obviously all year or all last year, and and we were just having a conversation earlier. And I, one thing that I've, I I definitely think could Im, could improve in in the approach this time is has a lot to do with process, and that in the last you know with AV start and and the self drive, um, it was a lot of talk behind the scenes before there was much real public discourse you know because at that time it was actually still kind of early in terms of public mm-hmm. focus and it still is yeah it's a proactive bill it's still is. Yeah, yeah, yeah no but and so it was basically you know even member you know staff for committee members you get the bill the night before and we're marking it up the next day and it, you know and it just kind of was and then okay here's the bill let's move it and then there was a flurry at the end of bringing everyone in and, and everyone getting engaged mm-hmm. but it was behind the scenes and it was reactionary to this bill um, and I think that having people having this discussion a publicly mm-hmm. before the bill is introduced and be- you know it's, it's so that it much it's treated much more like a reauthorization process where you are having a series on you know fo- uh, you know a hearing focusing on core elements of the policy underlying this mm-hmm. um, it, it would be much more helpful on the front end to then inform the bill, let people have their say, you know, have real policy discussions, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I think we're kind of, we're had directly in meetings with committee staff, one-to-one, um, but not, was there wasn't a public discourse. And so you, I think that that is a way that you can help assure people that, A, the, com- the you know, having a, a better, more informed discussion, but also that people's, um, concerns and objectives are being heard and then are you know it's not a well maybe we'll get this mm-hmm. amendment you know tacked on to to try to sue so and so you know that, that you're able to bring people in on the front end I think th- I think that would be a, 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 a different another approach that we could take this time that would be helpful and maybe just in the staff's defense and the way it went down unfortunately mm-hmm. that's the way that all bills are being done these days and that flurry of activity was related to us rushing to get an omnibus done. Yeah. So to go back to the whole reason we're behind the shutdown right now is we don't we don't pass legislation the way we used to. We used to have a bill pass in the House, bill pass in the Senate, and then you have a conference and but there's the ability to provide input yeah. on, on a bill. And unfortunately that that seems to be broken right now. But you know, another way to look at this is maybe it was too early to be legislating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I think, you know, we're, we, we can maybe segue to this now, but that's why I think a lot of us are excited to see how the $60 million will be allocated by USDOT with regard to these demonstration projects in response to the notice of funding opportunity. Because in my mind, and is a focus of the paper I did with UC Davis and the, the three revolutions folks is, how do we have more data-driven policy development or data-driven regulatory development? So hopefully these pilot projects or these demonstration projects with USDOT funding help demonstrate how this technology is going to be integrated into our very diverse transportation system. And then, you know, with the powers that USDOT has right now, mm-hmm. you know, work on things like update staff and VSS, figure out what new resources do we need, and then hopefully we can craft smart regulations. But, you know, I, I, it, I even though I, I had problems with AB Start, I, I am sad. Mm-hmm to see it die because I think there was a lot of opportunity in there, especially a lot of the committees yeah. that it was seeking to do, a lot of the studies that it wanted to do. And that's where I think 
we can get more funding for those types of studies and if USDOT can yeah. step up to the plate and do some of this then maybe we can actually have the hearings that Pete's talking about and then come together and create a bill that can get consensus yeah, yeah well, they, they're actually doing the workforce study yeah and they're yeah DOT is doing a workforce study and um, but you know the, the thing about AV start and I, I think we have a little bit of a different perspective on this Pete but as we've discussed but you know there were several hundred uh, meetings with committee staff and stakeholders one-on-one -on -one and opponents and supporters and everyone else but I absolutely agree with you that perhaps having more hearings um, on each individual issue and uh, maybe just clear communication about the bill um, could could be helpful this time around I mean we caught lightning in a bottle in this past bill and getting a lot of different stakeholders together um, and of course I, I think that poor communication in a lot of ways um, led to the bill getting stonewalled by a few senators and but I think that um, there are better ways to um, look at moving a bill forward and to be more inclusive yeah well and facts on the ground and events on the ground played a huge role mm -hmm. you know the 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 uber crash in Arizona mm -hmm. I think was actually was really the death knell. Yeah. you know whether or not we knew it at the time it, we knew it was obviously you know did not help at all but um, you know but I, I think that what it leads to is a a more serious industry and it, that this is not give me a billion dollars and I'm just gonna throw a bunch of stuff on the road and a lot of this kind of some of these horror stories that were start that are starting to leak out now about the early days yeah that like if we're gonna do this that you know we're playing with live bullets here and so this is something, you know, and I, you know, I saw there was a good article, and I, w I wish I had the guy's name, but, you know, talks a lot about uh, saving the AV industry from itself. Mm -hmm. That this is a VC-driven, get it, you know, race to the to deployment, a lot of very bad incentives that could lead to bad things mm -hmm. behind something that it in, is of itself a really good thing and is going to do really great things when it's mastered. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that... Having them having a more serious discussion both as an industry, but then from a policy standpoint, that you know the big change in the conversation that happened pre and post uh, um, the Tempe or two, um, yeah, the Tempe crash, Tempe. the killed Lane Harrisburg um, was that it went from you know how many lives are these going to save to are these safe? Yeah, both of which are very important. But from the policymaking side, yes, like the, the how many lives can be saved by this is why we're encouraging it. Yeah. How are we encouraging it is the conversation that is driven by are these safe and how do we know and, and mm -hmm. all of that. And so I think that had had it moved without, you know, had it moved and passed as is, then then it could have been a um, a, uh, a much broader and, and I think a little too open regulatory structure that would have led to someone screwing it up for everyone. Well, I think what we end up with, though, is, again, you know, we <laughs> we did a chart at SAFE of um, regulatory activities would happen if babies start passed. And I mean, it's it's a ton over several years. Um, and then I went and did a graph uh, of what would happen if babies start didn't pass. And the, it turns out there were no regular regulatory activities are required by Congress. Um, so with whatever step we take, I think we need to be focusing on AV safety, um, and I agree with you in that. As an calling on <laughs> telling NHTSA to do, or calling, <laughs> telling DOT to do, pass a regulation and regulatory actions happening are definitely different things, though. Right, certainly, <laughs> but at least requiring manufacturers to send in um, safety evaluation reports or safety assessments, I think, 
is at least a step, right? Um, and you know, this was, this was a proactive bill, and um, it's hard to get proactive language passed um, mm-hmm. unless there's some sort of crisis. Um, and you know, I think really what should have happened after the uh, the March crash last year. Um, is that that should have been an impetus for taking action, for passing some sort of framework and really getting together and doing it. Um, and, and, you know, I'll say this as an AV advocate myself, I've been disappointed by some of the stories coming out on the early testing of AVs. Um, I think, I mean, obviously we all were. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to believe in a lot of this stuff and that, that there's as much of a focus on safety as um, there is portrayed. Um, and hopefully, this, hopefully there will be some sort of soul searching in the industry on this. Yeah, and I think that goes back to kind of that point when we were talking about the new PAVE coalition is, you know, should it, how, can, how can we make this a public-private partnership mm-hmm. to promote the opportunities? And I, I appreciate and agree with Pete, kind of the, the challenges around this being venture capital profit driven. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with making profits, but, you know, we don't want it to be at the expense of safety. Yeah. And, and causing congestion. And, and I think that's going to be a big policy debate. Well, I think even worse, it's out. not even a profitability thing. It's a press release, it's big story. You know, none of these things are making money. It's I need to be the first to deploy a fleet in Manhattan. Regardless <laughs> right. of, you know, it, it, they'd probably still be losing money at that time, but it would be a matter of like just race to say, to, to do things first mm-hmm. and make a big splash. And then move on to your next thing and, and the details of it are less mm-hmm. of the focus as much as the you know shiny objects that's why I cut him off though mm-hmm. sorry <laughs> <laughs> but I think the flip side of that that I, I would love to hear your thoughts uh, as the data sharing expert in the room um, I'm gonna be fascinated to see who applies for the 60 million obviously everybody would love money they wanted you know they would love all the other stuff but the the level of data specificity that is required to, you know, and the openness and, the, and all that, those are those, you know, as much as we, we kind of crapped on the disengagements per mile of driving <laughs> and everyone, you know, somewhat rightly does, but those also become benchmarks for who's winning and who's losing and who, and thus an important metric for how you're fundraising and all other competitive things. Right. How do we strike that balance between Listen, I will, you know, I'll, fine, I'll tell you where we're having incidents, et cetera. But, I, like, it is, you know, the, if the only thing stopping, forcing me to tell everybody all this detailed data is $10 million, and I just raised $500 million, and you're risking my next $500 million, is that actually worth it? And so are we going to get a fully informed pilot, or are we just going to get the people who are most willing to say, I don't, you know, that's fine, I'll, I'll do X, Y, and Z? I think it's a good question. I mean, I in no way claim to be a data sharing expert, just to qualify myself there. No, I just... Uh, You're being nice. <laughs> in, but this, I did you. in this I room of three, you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I mean, I think that's going to be a potential hurdle, but maybe the way you overcome the hurdle is the fact that I anticipate, similar to like the drone integration pilot program, is it's going to give you to give you automatic authority to do things that may not be legal. So if you make a pitch around using a vehicle in a certain way that may not comply with FMBSS, but it's under this purview of the pilot program Mm -hmm. or the demonstration program, then you're going to get more leeway. Um, And that might be a trade-off that a company is willing to make to agree to certain data sharing. But I mean, I think USDOT and 
you know, every pilot program that I've ever worked on or participated in still seeks to protect any sort of confidential or proprietary information. I don't expect that to change. And there's probably, just like we're seeing right now, going to continue to be a, a little bit of pushback on what is truly proprietary and confidential and something that's going to have to be worked out in any sort of, you know, funding agreement that's signed. Great. Um, but maybe, cool. maybe before uh, we wrap yeah. up and just moving to emerging technologies, I mean, I'm still fascinated by... 2018 being the year of the scooter and maybe ending on something I'm so today I was for those on Twitter saw me listening to Yacht Rock and <laughs> just really looking through a bunch of different scooter regs across the country I realized that a number of the big deployments that we were watching were only pilot programs mm -hmm. and so I'm very curious to see how those pilot programs are then translated to actual regulations for you know the spring deployment kind of thinking through Groundhog Day. Once uh, <laughs> once the Groundhog sees a shadow, what? how many more scooters are coming on the road? And how many new devices that we don't even know about um, in the micromobility world might be coming onto the scene? So, and I think that's gonna play into the infrastructure discussion too, around Pete's point around, you know, potentially more shared lanes for infrastructure, more dedicated lanes for shared Probably mobility. The, uh, actual charging, which becomes this hybrid docked slash, what, you know, what is it? I think I'm actually a little bit surprised we have not seen more and maybe it's I don't know even is if CES is over but that there was not more scooter related you know big you know fancy music and a deployment of our own in-house I did see a crazy number that in last year in 2018 Segway sold 1.5 million scooters wow that's fascinating. So Great year for the them. clear winner of the scooter war last year, <laughs> oh yeah, was not a scooter company. It was no. was Segway, no. or maybe Nine Bot. I didn't see a number for them, but one point five million, even at a, a several hundred, like that's right. a lot of money for one. And, right. I, and especially because, I mean, these scooters, their average shelf life, well, <laughs> life on the road is what two or three months uh, before they're replaced at best. Um, so it's gonna be interesting to see how. And if um, more and more durable scooters start coming out and oh, that's, that's how a, they figure out. It's, it's a when is the matter. And I'll mm -hmm. be fascinated to see when Uber and when Lyft. And now I think an, import, an interesting one is Ford smart mobility buying spin. Mm -hmm. You know, people who have engineering backgrounds and product, you know, production and supply chains. It'll be fascinating because there's no way this is profitable when you're purchasing it at that bulk from someone else right with the same model as your competitors right you got to start building in a, yourself in a major markets that are all capped at you know smaller numbers that, that's just not a winning model and and to that point again another call for if anybody's doing any studies is to your point greg uh, safe greg is thinking through sustainability mm -hmm. and so is sustainability becoming more of a policy in in the dockless world and also the ride sharing world because not only to your point about i think thinking through the recycling of scooters and how do you make sure they're actually providing this sustainable impact that companies are claiming, but also the ride-sharing world and the Lyfts and Ubers, being able to stay in DC this year over the holidays, taking a lot of long walks with my dog, um, with some nice weather. Mm -hmm. um, the amount of Ubers and Lyfts I saw idling in the winter with their car on, it kind of, oh, wow. again, it, it made me think, huh, what are the potential impacts to just emissions coming out of cars the same way people are concerned about buses 
sitting idly with the engines on. Mm-hmm. And these are just drivers sitting waiting for a ride? Waiting just, to be called for wow. the next ride. But because it's winter, you want to have your heater on. Mm-hmm. And so, again, if anybody's doing any research or is looking for a good thesis <laughs> for 2019, I'd be curious of just a sustainability, not from a congestion standpoint, but from maybe more from like an emissions standpoint for, for ride sharing. Mm-hmm. And I also, I did see some of the DC data out of the scooter pilot. And they, they had a lot in terms of not only trip numbers, which you keep seeing our hockey stick, mm-hmm. um, but the duration both in distance and time. And it was fascinating that a lot of those trips, you know, they keep talking about it as a last mile solution. <laughs> a lot of these trips were a tenth of a mile, a quarter, up to a, you know, they had them broken out and you added them up and it was, you know, 40% were less than 0.4 miles. Wow. And I was like, are they disrupting cars or are they, is this disrupting Or are they disrupting walking around yeah. the block? Is this, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or are a lot of these trips just joyriding? Yeah. And I, mean, I can't blame. They are is, fun to ride. I think is, is going to, it'll be fascinating to see year two when, okay, you know, it's not just, I mm-hmm. want to try one um, to see what the numbers are. But it's exciting. You know, I'd rather we were investing in and trying to master this than a lot of the other stupid stuff that you know that's going on at CES like that smart toilet so it's there it's a good thing to be you know fiddling with yeah and and to that point you know DDOT for those looking at regulations the the new DDOT regulations that came out for 2019 I mean they're a good thing to take a look at because they are the first kind of second generation of regulations that came out of a pilot program because DDOT uh, was a little ahead of the curve because their scooter pilot program was a spinoff of the Dauntless. It was just like their bike share thing the wasn't bikes. specific enough. To right. <laughs> right. Everyone just ditched the bikes. Right. So it was more related to devices. Um, and then it led from bikes becoming scooters. So okay, that's, that's what I'm going to be looking at. Awesome. Um, well, I think that's a good place to uh, wrap it up at, right? Um, we covered... Nearly every mode. We skipped the air and the sea, but we can save that for later. Yeah, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about commercial trucking and drones and everything else on the horizon and in future episodes. other urban logistics in the AV space. I actually am hoping to see some of that from this pilot. Um, that, I think, is going to be an important one. Cool. Absolutely. Uh, well, cool. Um, so, BB and K, Greg, if uh, people want to find you online, we're are you on Twitter. At SmarterTranspo. Uh, and this is Pete. I am at shared mobility s great and this is greg rogers from safe you can uh, catch me on twitter at av greg r um, also be sure to follow us on twitter at mobility podcast and uh, check out our website uh, it's www.mobilitypodcast.com uh, stay tuned for a ton of great new episodes in 2019 and uh, look forward to catching up with you guys soon